0: I'm talking about building and living a life of no excuses. And Jeremiah chapter 1 is our main text, and I'm reading the New American Standard Bible. And I'm reading from verse 4. It reads as follows. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nation." Then I said, alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I'm a youth. Make a note of that. But the Lord said to me, don't say I'm a youth. Because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Just a, a footnote there. Whatever God sends you to, he will give you the ability to fulfill. Oh, thank you for those amens. I want some more of those. The thing is this, no matter how inadequate you are, no matter how much you think you are, don't have what it takes. God will never ever assign you to something that he will not empower you for. Amen. God says, behold, I've put my words in your mouth. Then he stretched out his hand, verse 9, and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I've put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant. Note that Jeremiah is a young man when he has this encounter with God. And in these days, it wasn't usual for people who are young to be called by God to a mission of this magnitude. And for that reason, he was really taken aback. But you know, we can never instruct God what to do. And there are times when God wants to do something that never happened before. The the reason why he's God, he can do what he wants. But the good thing is with God, when he comes to you and gives you an assignment, he will make sure he gives you that ability. But Nehemiah, Jeremiah is taken aback because number one, he's young. Number two, he starts giving excuses that he cannot speak. His mission was not an easy one, Basalana, because when you read the story of Nehemiah, He's a man who is called to prophesy and is a young person. But when you read the book of Jeremiah, he was a heartbroken prophet with a heart that has a heartbreaking message for his generation. See, Jeremiah was called into ministry during the time of the King Josiah and his tenor as a godly king of Judah was coming to an end. But Jeremiah is called at this time when it is the darkest hour in the history of Judah. And God raises up this man. And sometimes it's, it's difficult to understand why God has to raise you and assign you at a difficult time of history. I mean, when you look at this time that we are in, Basalana, this is a difficult time. Anywhere else. And oftentimes when you are given an assignment at a difficult time of history, it's very difficult for people to note how your leadership is so exceptional because it is drowned out by the context in which you are leading at that time. There are times when people are just mediocre leaders, but because they're at a time when everything is so nice and great, it's almost like they were great leaders. And so, it is not for us to tell God when to assign us. But the fact that we are there in times of difficulty and the fact that you are still alive even in these days of COVID-19, there's got to be something about you that God knows about. But we are tempted when God gives us an assignment in these difficult times to come up with all kinds of excuses and almost say to God, wrong address. And we get tempted to look at ourselves and look at our inadequacies as though God didn't know we had issues. See, all of us, Bazalana, we have issues. Nehemiah, Jeremiah says, I'm a child. And then he says, I can't speak. I'll come to that later. But he raises things that are an issue in his life. Things that maybe he hasn't dealt with, he has not overcome. Things that to him, he feels they can be a hindrance. But you see, when God comes to you, he knows that you have certain issues. He knows. He knows He knows that nobody in your family believes in you. He knows you don't have a father. You don't know who your father is. He knows that you were mistreated. He knows that you were abused. He knows that it's time of COVID-19. He knows that you are preaching to a hundred people. But God still calls you anyhow. And so God does not buy the excuse, Sir Jeremiah. So against all persecutions and hardship, thankfully, Jeremiah stood his ground and boldly proclaimed a message from God to a stiff-necked generation. It's a difficult thing when you are leading a stiff-necked people. You know, all of us as leaders would love people to at least respond to our leadership. Not that we are perfect. But if you have purity of heart and you're doing your best to be a good leader, but the feedback you get from people doesn't match your commitment. And this was the dilemma of Jeremiah. And so during this long ministry, he warned people that catastrophe would befall the nation because of their idolatry and their sin. And Jeremiah lived to see this prophecy come true. He saw the fall of Jerusalem to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He saw the destruction of the city, the destruction of the temple. He saw the children of Israel being taken to exile into Babylon. And many people went there. He also foretold, thankfully, that you will return. God will bring you back. This God of restoration will restore you back. This is where we get Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. It starts to give you peace and give you a future. He lived to see that. And so even in this dark time Nehemiah led, in the same way that in this dark hour, in this difficult time of the history of the world, I'm looking at Jeremiah's here. I'm looking at men and women that God has given an assignment. I'm looking at young men, young women, elderly people who are called by God. And God has called you for one thing, to attempt mighty works in his name. And the last thing we want to do is to give God an excuse. So in chapter one, he gets the call from God. And God even tells him, look, there's no need for us to debate this thing. Even before you were conceived, I already had a plan. You were not born to try and figure out what you're going to do with your life. When are you were set aside already, you reserved. So let's not even discuss that. It's not a question, how are going to convince me? You are going there anyhow. So he's overwhelmed by this task and he exclaims, no way. No way. I don't know how to speak. I'm just a youth. No way I can pull this off. And God says, don't say that. You will pull it off. In other words, God says, don't make an excuse. Let me give you some quotations. One person said, excuses are tools of the incompetent. And those who specialize in them seldom go far. End of quote. Ben Franklin wrote, he that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. End of quote. And so that's the title of my message this morning building and living a life of ne- excuses. Now, what is an excuse? How do you define an excuse? An excuse is defined as an explanation that frees you from fault, blame, and responsibility. Let me say that, out. Say that again. An excuse is an explanation that frees you from fault, blame, and responsibility. N-sizul an excuse is ugushugut. when we try to explain such that we don't take fault, we don't take blame, we don't take responsibility. In short, an excuse implies that we have an intent to avoid blame, to remove blame, and to avoid being censured. So we make excuses. Let's look at Jeremiah. Thankfully, he finally did go. But he started with an excuse. (laughs) The first thing he did, number one, is the first excuse he gave to God is that the task is demanding. And sometimes those are the excuses we give. Why must I lead at this time, God? (laughs) Why didn't I lead when the economy was better? Why didn't you call me when the rent was one to five to the dollar? Why now? Why didn't I get married back then when things were cheaper and things were better? Why now, under lockdown? And so, it is always that question to say the task is demanding. Some of you, right now, you may be feeling the weight of the task. Wherever you are, whatever your task, whatever your assignment. And this is the thing for me. I was telling mama, you know, when I heard the announcement, I was so depressed. I mean, really, it's not been an easy time to leave the church right now. And I'm, you know, and you know, you, you have to wake up, still go, have to go to church. Still have to preach. Yeah. And you just wonder in a time like this, how I wish things were different. Mama, the reality is we are here. You can't explain yourself away. So that was excuse number one. The task is demanding. So he he protests. The second excuse, he says, I can't speak in short. My talent is inadequate. He says, I don't know how to speak. My talent is inadequate. Like I told them in the first service, we tell God these things as though God doesn't know. (laughs) We cannot say wrong address. Wrong address. But it's, it's, it's quite amazing how God seems to be the one who chooses where to place people. And when God chooses and places people, our own assessment of them is that they are not the right people. Mara, God already says whatever they don't have, I will give it to them. Only God can call a guy who is a stammerer and send him to go to a king who has a short fuse, who is ill-tempered, and go tell the brother to let his people go. Only God can do that. Imagine Moses standing before Pharaoh, who is hot-tempered, who will kill you at the drop of a head, and the brother can't just have a flow of speech. He's stammering And he's standing there in front of Pharaoh, talking to the brother. Only God does those kind of things. Nobody else does that kind of a thing. And if 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 it was left to you and me in the boardroom, we would say that's not a great strategy. You don't send a guy like that to go and talk to Pharaoh. Mara God has a way. That's why He is sending you where he is sending you in spite of how you feel and what you think. Oh, can I can I get a good amen in here? I'm talking about if God has sent you, not if you send you. So don't misunderstand me. Don't go and do things here and say God told me. Hasa if he didn't send you, don't went. like I said last week. <laughs> Number three, that excuse, he said, I only a youth. In short, he's saying, it's not the right time. And you know, we can always make those excuses. Either we are too young, we are too old, we are too male, we are too female, we are too so we are too gangster, we are too rural, we are too informal settlement, you are always too something. And we make those excuses. The third excuse, he says, God, the assignment is dangerous. You're sending me at a time when it's not suitable. God's not going to ask your opinion about the suitability of the time. We're called to lead at this time and lead we will and lead we must. Uh, I'm not hearing any amens now. Your amens are disappearing. I'm not hearing any amens. And then... The fifth excuse is, do I have to go now? In short, the timing is not right. Do I have to go now? And so we make these excuses and Jeremiah made these excuses. And if you were to sum up these excuses, why do we make excuses? Number one, because of fear. Oftentimes, the assignment brings a lot of fear to us. And so fear imprisons many people that they never even get to start. There are people whose life right now is really, really hanging in limbo because of what we're going on now. And yet, on the other hand, you have other people who are making a kill in their businesses and in other things because they wouldn't let fear keep them away. Now, we're not in any way saying people shouldn't wear masks. And I'm not talking about that. Look after yourself and take care of yourself. But I'm talking about making decisions to move on with your life. The second thing that makes, causes us to make excuses is failure. People don't want to fail. And people are afraid of failing. You know, if you're afraid of failing, you'll never attempt anything. We need to attempt great things for God. Oh, let me try that again. I said we need to attempt great things for God. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, you need to attempt great things for God. Just tell two of them. The third thing that makes us to make excuses is uncertainty. We are are worrying about the unknown future events or circumstances that will come our way. And uncertainty can cause you to be double-minded and you are never sure. Even if you have started... You are still not sure. And as a result, you can't give yourself fully to what you are doing. But if you live your life trying to live by faith and protect your fear at the same time, you're not going to go anywhere. I'm telling you, never. I'm telling you. It has to be just like that time when you went there for bungee jumping. As long as you are still standing on the ledge, you haven't made a decision yet. (laughs) But the minute they put you and you're off that ledge, you have decided. There's no turning back. Even if you can scream, Marok Salayo, you are already airborne. You can so no la la. no, still like, you're already airborne. And so it's important for us not to allow ourselves to live with uncertainty. The other thing that causes people to not be able to fulfill what they should fulfill and make excuses is people have no goals. When you don't have any specific goals and you don't make your vision plain, you will come up with excuses you just go through life in jail trying anything, and when things don't work, you'll make excuses. Because there is nothing that be serves as a compass. You see, vision serves as a compass. Because as you realize, Bazalan, the world, if you don't have vision, and if you don't know where you're going, you will be pushed around by circumstances. I was telling them in the first service, I mean, the times we're living in, every day is different. We don't know what's going to be announced tomorrow. The day I hear fellow we're going to have a family meeting. <laughs> I'm asking myself, and I'm already checking, what's going to be the first statements that is going to be made? Is it my compatriots or fellow South Africans? You don't know. Okay. So you already know. How about a fellow South African? are no, the announcements are not bad. Marajo to my compatriots. Okay, it's right. hey. So every day is different every day is different. And we need to note that if you, therefore you don't have goals in your life, if you don't put goals in your life, because of the changing life and the changing circumstances. This is where for me, at least when we went down to you know, lockdown level three, and then they allowed us to have church, I said, let's go to church. I can't wait and say, remember when it first started, who it's all we must Go for 21 days. anybody remember? anybody remember? You thought it's going to be over in 21 days. What happened? Just before 21 days expired, we had a family meeting, my compatriots, <laughs> and we keep on adding more things. You know, we need to have an extended period. You know, extension it's several months. Some of us already knew, by the way, early last year because of the meetings we were in that. Uh, we knew, of course, this thing is going to string us on till next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then will next year. We knew. But you see, if you don't put any goals, even in the midst of that, you will live in suspense. Some of you, you've put your life on suspense. You're pushed around by the uncertainty of life because you have no vision. The other thing that makes us... This one is a tough one. The other thing that... Uh, causes us to make excuses is comparison. You see, we're afraid of being compared with other people who are more talented than us. So we won't launch out because maybe God has promoted you and you are supposed to lead your department, but in your department there are more people who are more qualified than you. And we will always be in that situation. There will always be a situation where you are leading something, where you have someone more qualified than you who knows more. You are sitting at the driver's seat. Ah, I'm not hearing anybody say anything here. And, and if you are sitting at the driver's seat, be comfortable that God has afforded you that opportunity. Can I hear a good amen? Can I hear a good Amen our time is running away from us today. Why is it important for us to stop making excuses? Let me go through this quickly. Number one, making excuses will prevent you from reaching your full potential. When you make an excuse, what it will do is you will not give yourself wholly, fully to what you are trying to do. So you never reach your potential. Because you always, you are always engaging in whatever you are doing with room enough for when I fail, people will understand this was difficult. So Look at your neighbor and yeah. say, you know, you take something to somebody to fix for you. I don't like a mechanic who tells me because that's a is a loaded statement. They didn't care this, but I brought my card to you, not to pray for, but to sort out his problems. The second reason why it's important for us not to make excuses is that excuses will hold you back. Excuses hold us back in a lot of things, including getting further in your life. You don't become a prayer warrior and a prayer giant because you're always making excuses about spending time in the presence of God. You're always making excuses. You're making excuses about feathering your career, getting healthier, creating new relationships. So excuses will limit you in every area of your life. We could make excuses about not having church. Think about all the work we have to put in. And I was looking at our volunteers. We have such a great team of volunteers here who are here early, setting up. Our was give them a hand. Our full-time people, our volunteers, they work hard. I remember some time ago, they asked me, somebody asked me, are you, you are going to do this only for 100 people currently? There was a time when 50 people, all this trouble. I mean, if you look at all the protocols that we must comply with, To just to have a service. Hmm? You must deep clean the place. You must have sanitizers. You must check the temperatures. You must have a register for tracing. You must wear masks. You can't have a service more than two hours. You can't hug them. You can't lay hands. You can't have communion. Hey, You can't sing next to each other. Even when you sing, there must be social distancing. You can't share the same pulpit, the same mic, just for 50 people. Oh yeah. Still okay. Still okay. Because ex- excuses can limit you in your life. Number three, excuses bring regret. If you make an excuse to do something, there'll be a big chance that you'll end up regretting. How many of you have ever known that the following day you have to leave very, very early in the morning? And to be able to be on time, to leave home at that time, you have to make sure you've ironed your clothes the day before, the night before. Right? Or if you are like some of us who shave, I shave alternative days. I, I need to shave the night before because in the morning I'll shave work. We all know how long it takes to get ready. So you go to bed knowing fully well, you are still watching that program. Instead of aining, come on now, don't give me that look. You know what I'm talking about. And then you go to bed late and following morning, you wake up early to prepare and then... Yay! And then you say, I should have, I could have, I would have. That's what happens. You shouldn't be that person who goes through life with the I should have, could have mentality. Why? Because you made an excuse. Instead of walking away from that series, somebody told me, Josh, you know what I mean? I don't know the soapies, I don't watch them, but I'm just making up. Josh, we don't want to go through life with that. Number what? Number four. If you make excuses, you will settle for less in your life. You'll settle for less. You'll always say, Let's decode it. I didn't do my best. I settled for nomayin. Number five. If you make excuses, you won't challenge yourself. You won't challenge yourself. Sorry, I'm running now. I need to close in the next two minutes. Number six, making excuses will keep you from growing. You won't grow. And lastly, number seven, making excuses will teach you and those around you and everybody that you are leading and even your children if you have children to make excuse making a habit of their life. And this is what we are seeing today in organizations when people have to come and give a report and give an account of why they did what they did. Everybody says, you know, this started in the Garden of Eden. When God was asking Adam, Adam, what did you do? He says, that woman that you gave me. So in other words, not just the woman, but you, God. You see, I was okay until you, God, gave me that woman. So it's not me. So God goes to the woman and says, hey, Eve, what's up? Eve says, The serpent. Go and read it. It's in Genesis chapter 3. And we go through a life of excuses. But here's what I want to say. Take responsibility for your life. For whatever God says you can do, even if days are dark, even if times are hard, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. Stop making excuses. Stop making excuses of receiving Christ in your life as Savior and Lord. Stop making excuses of turning your life to God. And let him be the center of your life. Ah, what about your life? What about your heart? What about your cry? Stop making those excuses. I want to lead you to Christ now. If you want to receive Christ, you follow us in this prayer as we pray together. Would you join us, everybody, in prayer? Let's raise our hands as we pray. Join us where you are. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I invite Jesus Christ To come into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Be my Savior. Be my Lord from today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, take responsibility for your life. Even if you've already received Christ, don't live in a world where you are making so many excuses. And you don't explore the fullness of what God has in store for you. Take responsibility even during this festive season.